0: Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent Magazine, with your host, Miriam Conner.
1: Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to the latest episode of Apparently Speaking. On the last episode, I had a great conversation with Dr. Laura Markley about kids and anxiety. It's such an important topic, and I've received a lot of feedback, so I wanted to continue the conversation with child psychotherapist Marjorie Landover. This episode is sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one to five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. I want to welcome Marjorie Landover for the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Marjorie Landover is a child psychotherapist in private practice with Child Reach Consulting, LLC, where she provides child and family therapy, consultation, and training. Landever completed her undergraduate degree at The Ohio State University, and her eight years of graduate study include topical to her work as a child psychotherapist, a master's degree from Case Western Reserve University, and doctoral work at the University of Michigan. In her practice, she specializes in treating children and adolescents surrounding issues of anxiety, perfectionism, sports performance, disordered eating, body image, self-concept, adjustment, and trauma. Landever who has received multiple honors for her clinical work including the Golden Shamrock Award and the State of Ohio Award for Excellence has been in practice for over 15 years. So thank you so much for being thank here. You. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you. Yes, and you know like I said it's such a I don't want to say like hot topic or bad right, topic right, it right, seems right, right to say but I'm not for lack of better word it's kind of seems like um I know it's a very important topic. It just seems like um, a lot of kids are dealing with this now, and maybe maybe there's more of it. Maybe we just know know about it more and can put a name with it. I'm not sure you you would know much more about that than I would, but I definitely wanted to continue the conversation with you.
2: It's such an important conversation, Miriam. I think one of the one of the things that we are seeing absolutely we're seeing an increase, but one of the things I think that we have to be very aware of as adults working with young kids, whether as a parent or a teacher. or, you know, any kind of position that anybody has where they're dealing with young people is the pressures that young people, starting with young children, are feeling, whether it's pieces in our society. You know, we are preparing young children with lockdown drills and, and things that we never had to experience. And so when we talk about the increase in anxiety, absolutely, our world has changed. Definitely.
1: And I don't see you know, there's no way, like, how could we, like, you know, shield them from that, really? I mean, as far as, like, lockdown drills and things like that, that's unfortunately, very unfortunately, part of life now, part of our society, so I guess we can't change that, unfortunately, that would be obviously the best, but we have to maybe change how we prepare the kids or respond to them or whatever it is, so that they don't have anxiety about those kind of things. Absolutely, as as
2: because can. it's it's become, for, for us as adults, we look at something like that and we are in many ways ourselves traumatized about the fact that we are going to now expose children to it. But for them, it is such a way of life. And so our way of handling it, we have to be so careful as adults to not
1: bring our own anxiety and project
2: it on the young children.
1: Yeah, because unfortunately, yeah. and I say this unfortunately because it is unfortunate. But to them, I guess it's probably just like a fire drill. Right. Like they, exactly. They come and they say like, oh, we had a fire drill today. Oh, we had a lockdown drill today. Exactly. And exactly. Where we're like, oh my gosh, you know what? You lockdown drill. You know, or you get worried about that. But they, like you said, it's just how it is. It's one of the things that I think is
2: most important when you're dealing with anxiety is looking as an adult at how our reaction is. Because I, you know, I always say to parents, the energy that we give off can really determine how a child's anxiety grows or lessens.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you need to freak out, just go in your room and shut the door or something and like have your little freak out session, but not in front of them because they're going to feed off that. Totally. Oh, I,
2: I love that response that you say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not that I would ever do that. I'm just exactly. saying if one wanted to. <laughs>
2: exactly. That's a perfect opportunity. And you know, you had talked when you spoke last week on anxiety about the, the benefit of modeling. And one of the benefits in terms of modeling, I think sometimes, for parents is not just using the words but actually applying them. So you bring up a great example of a parent applying calming time, that timeout for that parent. Timeouts, you know, (laughs) you could get me started on it, but timeouts are really used inappropriately in a lot of ways because it's actually a positive thing. (laughs) We want to teach for positive calming with a timeout. And so if a parent shows, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety right now, I'm going to step away for a minute and I'm going to take some good breathing time and then come back, that is great modeling for that child.
1: Right. And I'm very very big, you know, yeah, on modeling. I just, and they do, you feed off it. I see even just, just even things where my high school daughter, again, I apologize to her because I always use examples, <laughs> right, but, right. Um, you know, where maybe she has a lot going on at the moment. She has, you know, several tests the next day. She's whatever it is. Or, so she starts to, you know, kind of freak out and like, I'm not going to get right. this done. I have also so I'm going to do her well on this, blah, 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 even though it's not really true, but you know, you start to, and I've, I've found where times if I've kind of reacted, usually just, my nature is. I'm like, it's fine. It's not going to be a big deal. It's it's going to be all good. And I can like talk her down. But I've seen where sometimes I'll like, you know, oh my gosh, okay, well, what do you, well, what's your grade in there? What, how are you going to pass that test? How right. you don't have time? You know? and, right. and then I see her face and she, and I realize, <laughs> okay, I just totally blew it because she's then feeding off me. So then of course it's a million times worse. And then she's upset because she thinks I'm upset or she's really not going to do well. Cause I said that all that kind of thing. So I just have to say, you know what? It is going to be fine. And even if it even if you didn't in the big picture of things like it's still going to be fine. Well, it's okay.
2: Without a doubt. And I I love that you have that sense of self-awareness. I think that's a piece that's so difficult in parenting is this idea of being able to say, okay, wait a minute, what am I adding? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is, you know, I always give parents the example of for children who are struggling with separation anxiety, and it's so torturous when you see this little one just, you know, holding onto your leg and, you know, terrified and you want desperately to turn around and hug and hold on so tightly. The problem is the message you're giving your child is, I do not feel you're safe either. So I'm going to hug you five more times to make sure. Mm. And the child becomes, it's so unconscious of a message, but it's still a message. And you saw from your daughter's reaction, you know, oh my gosh, even mom thinks there's something to worry about. (laughs) Now I'm
1: really worried. You know,
2: and so sometimes parents will say, gosh, it seems so cold though, the response that I giving. And to some degree, there's something healthy about being able to recognize that you can't do it for them. Yeah, Yeah. You know, so much of anxiety is about control and feeling out of control. And so parents want to make sure that their child doesn't feel out of control but it creates a whole new monster yeah. with
1: that. You're right. And using your example about, you know, when they're, of course, you know, nobody wants that. You no, know, your kid's upset. it's torturous know, to watch. But I think that parents sometimes, you know, we get something out of that. Let's just be honest. Right. It makes you feel right. good. Oh, they want to be with me. Right. This is oh, they, they miss love mommy. Me the best. I'm their favorite person. Yes. So I think that, you know, we have to be careful that uh, uh, you know, as that as an example, going back a bunch of times to keep giving oh, the is yes. not for our benefit. Like you know what I mean? Without you do a get doubt, that, that you get that little bit abs- of a high there, absolutely. you know.
2: Absolutely, and because ultimately, and sometimes you'll see the teachers try to push the parents out, yeah. you know, right? <laughs> and the teachers, God bless them, are really trying to like say, "Whoa, this is not necessarily helping our situation Eddie. And so it's it's definitely it's definitely true. I mean, yeah.
1: So I know um, we you mentioned earlier, just you know, we were emailing just a little bit about it, and. Um a couple of things you mentioned, you know, that you've seen in your practice regarding kids with anxiety, some kind of like types, I'll say. Right, I, that's my right word, not yours, right but, right you right. Know, one was a perfectionist. Oh yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs>
2: so, you know, we I, I definitely, you know, specializing in anxiety, I see quite a few um, from me little to, you know, through college age, who are truly the perfectionist. And where it's so concerning is, so what does this child look like? This child is, you know, tends to be overly cautious, is very, they are desperate to show that they can be the best at whatever they do. And so part of that difficulty is there's so much of an overpressure that they put on themselves, that to some degree, they either end up procrastinating because they think, oh my gosh, I I can't do it this well. What am I going to do? So they'll procrastinate until the very last minute. Or this will be the child who literally is studying from the morning through the night and is so terrified at the thought of a mistake or failure that they are unable to really function in ways of truly learning to learn and being able to do things that are equally as important like the social nuances and really being able to, you know, make some long-lasting friends. It's tremendously concerning to me because I think we live in an environment where, you know, we see, I know you touched on it last week, but this idea of social media where, We have children who are constantly comparing themselves to others. And when you see a perfectionist, their whole... Their whole, you know, mo is this idea of high expectations for themselves and others, and so, you know, it's not real what they're looking at, right. and
1: yet but they're not understanding. They're that. not yeah.
2: grasping that,
1: right? So, yeah, the social media just brought a whole nother I'm right sure, in your dynamic practice, to the whole huge right whole thing. But so, as far as you know, the perfectionism, mm-hmm. so maybe when. You know, kids are younger. Are there things, like, as a parent, you could kind of, like... Know without like overanalyzing little thing they do, but like, oh wait, maybe this isn't maybe this isn't going down the best path. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, you start noticing with your child that you know you're he's writing his letters and we're stuck at the letter D because it's not coming out perfectly, so we don't make it to E. And so as a parent at that point, you want to be able to start reframing for the child, okay, it looks like you, I like your letter D and let's say he's on the ground and he is tantruming <laughs> and the letter D is not looking the way <sighs> your whole night has become the letter D. And so what you want to be able to recognize is first of all, when the child is at that place where they are in that sense of a tantrum or for an adolescent when you say, so you got a B plus and the adolescent looks at you as you just are, you know, I can't believe you would say something like that. You want to recognize that, you know, my best way of saying it is it's as if the child's in a classroom setting and they throw their pencil on the ground. And at that point, any talking with that child Is completely for naught. And so the child is not at a place where they can hear anything. So at that point, when the child may be tantruming over the letter D or the child may be holed up in their room, you know, crying about the thought of maybe getting a an A minus or a B plus, at that point, the most important thing to do is actually a sensory intervention because the child isn't able to hear any of your words. So if you go in and you know, you you know go over to the little boy on the ground and say, Listen, buddy, I hear you, it's really frustrating. And start naming a feeling for him so that he recognizes that, you know, listen, I'm going to, you know, I, we all get to that place where we're super frustrated, maybe sort of rub his back a little bit, and then kind of give him a little space. Because what he's trying to tell you is, I don't know how to manage my feelings right now. So, you, you know, the more you talk to him you're talking at him the same with the teenager you can go over you can give a hug you can say you know what it's good. It's going to be okay and then you know walk out, you know, again, giving that little, that space, always making sure to give some kind of physical, even if they push it away, because you don't know the time they won't push it away. And so he's trying, but giving the space. So definitely, you know, you're going to see some pushback. I think another thing is, is how we talk in front of a child is so critical. So saying things like when the child comes home and Johnny may say, you know, I got a, 100% 100% on my test and you say, oh my God, you're a rock star. We have to be so careful on how we talk like that because the truth is that really positive feedback you're giving is really for a child who's already got a makeup of that anxiety component is really potentially maybe saying on an unconscious level in their mind, wow, this makes mommy really happy. I want to make her really happy. I'm going to keep trying to get the best versus saying, that's impressive. Do you feel good about that? Because you worked super hard to get that. I'm impressed about how
1: hard you worked that must feel really good. And saying the same if they got a B, right? Exactly. You know, they studied or whatever, so you're right, like I, I really like that, it's like, this should be the same reaction if they worked hard at it, you know, not like, well, oh yeah, you did good, or well, why didn't you get the A, or what'd you miss, or those kind of focusing that's on that exactly kind of stuff. exactly it, yeah. Yeah. because
2: it's one of those kind of things where we are giving the message of it's only the, you know, making the A team in sports that's going to really get that, mm-hmm. that, you know, instead of saying, you know what, I I'm excited for you that you're on the B team. You're going to really be able to have an opportunity to play and you're going to have an opportunity to really try to, you know, improve your kicking and improve your skills and improve your versus that almost disappointment sometimes kids will talk about that they see in their Uh, parents' eyes.
1: Right. Or like making, of course, like let's say they get a goal example. Of course, they're excited to make a big deal, but if they didn't, you know, what's your reaction after the game? If they gave it their all and they really tried. So these are, these are excellent points. And you know, I, should be Because they're looking to see right. your reaction. And,
2: and I love when I can have a child say to me, you know what? My mom said, you know what? That was a disappointing game for you, but I love how you got up and you went back in there and you gave it your all again. It's showing a sense of we're going to applaud you for resilience, that's a huge piece oh yeah
1: resilience mm-hmm. is huge if your kids can be resilient oh then... <laughs> my goodness that's exactly <laughs> other, yeah. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it right yeah. mm-hmm.
2: so I mean we want to applaud those pieces so I think you know as parents we have to be so careful to be able to look at a child and recognize that the words we use we have to be and and this is also applying it your you your modeling so children will often tell me that their parents will use the right words with them, but then on their own, they are such themselves wanting. Oh, so
1: like the, they're hard on themselves, or yes, they're saying negative things that we say ex- negative things about ourselves, exactly. or oh, I can't believe I didn't do this exactly. right, or whatever. Yeah, you're right. And, and so even if you're doing the right thing with them, right? They hear you talking down on yourself and or whatever it may be they you see disappointed,
2: disappointed in what yourself. you've done. Right. So, you know, I always try so hard. Let's say that you know a child is, is working with me and they like you know, spill everything. Thing in front of me. And it might be a giant mess, but I try so hard to be, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is so not a big deal. I'm, I'm like constantly, you know, right. the kids must think I like spill all the time because I'm like right. such a big deal about yeah. all the fact oh, of spilling. Is not, but yeah. you, you need to be able to take every single thing. Like if yeah. you're upset, like your example, do it in the back room. Right, right, you right,
1: know? right, right. Try to hide it. Exactly. Yeah, at least for that moment. Exactly. Right. And that's the same thing. Like with we'll spill it, whatever it is, mistakes, you know, my kids make you try. And I know, always do this perfectly obviously but you know I'll try to say well I've done that everyone's done that oh I've done that a million times and you know, sometimes exactly. they're like you do you know or my the one say, like oh but you I bet you've never done that I'm like you oh, have no idea and it's true I mean I'm telling them the truth That's... but you know they sometimes see you and kids you know, are
2: so intimidated by even teenagers it, it they have this intimidation of adults are absolutely incapable of doing anything mistake-wise, failing at anything. So I always try desperately to tell the kids, oh, I'm a proud failure of this. And it's okay. I'm good. I'm okay with it. This is it because you have to embrace that component.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I know like with the perfectionist, you know, something I was thinking about is I think it's hard because... You know, you don't want your kids like that, where constant worry, try to oh, be perfect. Yes. So, you want to tell them it's okay, it's gonna be perfect, but then you want that balance where you don't right, want them to just right. be like, ah, just blow it off, or it's right. good enough, it's good enough, right. it's no big deal. So, it's hard, you know, as a parent, because you're you you want to get that balance, and it's not always going to be that perfect balance. It's but. not.
2: You bring up a great point because there is that fine line, and so typically knowing your child's makeup is really going to drive that. Because where are the where I'm most concerned is the child who has the perfectionism that really lends itself to anxiety versus the child who is just sort of. <laughs> thinking, oh, please, this is an okay grade. I me, yeah, I <laughs> tried my best, yeah. you know, like that, those kind of things. And, you know, the perfectionist is the child who is truly, really struggling with functioning. And that's the child that you almost have to force to really, you know, to say, listen, I want you to get that B plus. I can't. Wait to see the B plus because it's the child who is horrified about getting the B plus versus the other child who is you know right. <laughs> that you kind of have to nudge it's a little cast, bit more. Right? Yeah, like that's good enough, <laughs> right. mom. Good enough. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, so to get that fine line. Oh, like, yes. That's great information and great. Um, those are great tips for parents to just be aware of. You know strategies, and we're going to continue talking with you. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. We're going to talk about kind of like the generalized warrior when Absolutely. we get back. Okay.
0: For the one in five children who have learning differences like dyslexia and attention deficits like ADHD, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their potential. Serving students in grades K through 12 from more than 80 communities throughout Northeast Ohio, Lawrence School empowers students who learn differently by accepting and affirming the diverse ways they learn, supporting them through their academic journey, and motivating them to excel beyond what they would believe imaginable. The result of these approaches is that students who previously struggled in the classroom are suddenly engaged, motivated, and confident in their ability to be successful learners. Discover the many ways we are reimagining school at www.lawrenceschool.org or by calling 440-526-0717. Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike.
1: All right, and we are back talking with Marjorie Landover, and we're talking about kids and anxiety. And we just talked about you know the perfectionist type type kid, and how about just the generalized worry? So this so, kid is just like, is this just what I'm you are know, picturing? Yeah, just a big worry word about the, every little thing.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And so th- this is the this is the kiddo who just will tell you, you know, there's <laughs> they will be thinking of global worries. They will be thinking of worries about somebody who lives next door. This is the child who. Is literally not stopping to. They're all they're doing is overthinking. And
1: how do they get like that in the first place? I oh, guess a lot of it lot is of makeup. Yeah, why.
2: a lot of it is the child's makeup. And so you know, part of the piece, the the challenging piece for a parent of an over or an overthinker, is being able to help the child understand that there's only so much that the child has in their control. So you know, my you know you know kiddos who have the generalized worries, they will be the ones who come in and tell me how upset they are because a couple of the kids were drinking out of straws and they Uh-oh. are worried that that's gonna absolutely destroy you know our sea life. And so Uh-oh. they are staying up at night thinking about so they have this a good, and,
1: you know they have uh, a good intention behind it but they're yeah, it's too much. The of way the worry. they're
2: internalizing Uh-oh. it is hurting their insides literally and figuratively because these are the kids who generally, along with the perfectionists who really take it into their gastrointestinal system. They take it into their heads uh, with so terrible headaches. Stomach aches and headaches. Oh and yes, without a doubt. And Absolutely. Like that. Okay. And so we want to, like, you know, one of the key pieces in, in working with these young ones and as a parent is to be able to really help the child understand what is in their control. Is it in your control to be able to Have you use a straw or not use a straw? Yes. Okay. Is it in your control to have strangers do that? No. We can try to educate people. We can try to live it our own way. And we can make changes in that way. But we can't control everything. So I often say to, you know, to say to kids who are generalized worriers, you know, is it something that is going to affect you this week. You know, the, you know, the sea life being destroyed by straws, will it be affected this week <laughs> in the way that you're worried? Is it going to be affected, you know, next week or in a month? We have to look at what's on our table now because one of the problems actually oftentimes with kids who can be overthinkers is sometimes they overthink things so globally that they are not looking at what's in front of them, which may be a test the next day. <laughs> so we have to be very careful.
1: So they're going to do poorly on that and then right. worry about that. It's a whole big thing because exactly. they're worried about the sea life, exactly. which is a great cause. And that it's great if they want to get involved in that, but not lose sleep because two That's of their you know, exactly kids at the table are right. using straws.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Or
1: it's exhausting, though, it's e- for them. It's I mean, it has to be. It's, it's exhausting th- just listening to it. So, I mean... It
2: is draining. And the problem becomes that they don't, know what to do with all of that emotion. And so sometimes these are kids who, you know, may at school at times look like they're not paying attention, but actually their mind is just so stuck in their worries. And it's the same thing with the perfectionist is that, you know, these are both silently, you know, pained children. You know, the perfectionist and the generalized worrier, these are children who are in pain, but they're inside. Oftentimes, you know, Shielded by a smile or good grades, but they're in pain because nobody knows they're feeling all these feelings. They can't stop thinking about it. So them. they're
1: functioning fine as far as like they're involved in things. Beautiful. They're, they're like you said, they have a smile. Oh, yes. But maybe they're getting a lot of stomach oh, aches or headaches yes. or just their, their, their family might know there's, but internally they're. So I would imagine the response, the modeling and your response to them would be very important for this because if they see that you're going to worry about it as well. Wow. without a doubt, really... without
2: a doubt. And so, you know, it's one of those kind of things of, you know, you have to be so careful in your own midst of how am I taking it in, in a way that I'm giving out, again, energy. I'm so big on that word, but what is our energy that we are giving off to that child? Is it energy saying, you know what, you're okay, you're safe, you're okay, we've got this right or is it oh my god i totally get it i'm so worried <laughs>
1: You know? yeah. Oh yeah, we, you no, know, like what could we do then if it's the sea turtle, whatever mm-hmm. the thing is that they're worried exactly. about? What can we do? What can you do? And let's come up with some kind of plan or project that you can do something. Exactly. but Exactly. So I
2: love it, it when a parent will say others. to me, "My child is so worried about animals and you know animals going extinct. What can we do?" And I'll I'll you know encourage them to volunteer at an animal shelter, and that will be something concrete that they can do to feel like they're making a difference in their control.
1: That's great. Yeah, that's great. So if you have a kid like that and you you see then it's just your reaction, your response. And then like you said, maybe find, you know, whatever their biggest worries are at that time and a way that they can control it, even just a little bit of, of for themselves doing absolutely, something about it.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. And they, they probably I would imagine they probably change their Maybe their their big worries Uh, may change a lot.
2: I'm so glad you brought that up because that is exact. The worries evolve. So a young one, a little one might worry about, I'm not the first one in the line and I like to be near the teacher. And then as they get older, they start worrying more about things that are body image related or things that are, you know, well, what if I don't make this team and what if I, you know, if I'm supposed to be blocking the goal and I don't block it and what if the team will blame me and I'm going to be the reason they, they didn't win and I'm going to, so the worries change, okay. you know, the same thing with, you know, more global worries in terms of, you know, our, our world, you know, a young, a little one just brought up the other idea, the other day, North Korea, and they are seeing things online yeah, I that, that off right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and yeah. unfortunately, parents have a hard time keeping them off. And it's because harder now with the because of rights devices right. and
1: things. But yeah, for those yeah. kind of kids, especially, oh, it's try so to difficult. shield them a
2: little bit at that age. Absolutely. Like those are my kiddos who I always want to... Be the last to get the social media, the phones, the technology.
1: Definitely, definitely. What about the shy or like the hypersensitive child? You know that that you're like, oh, they always like break my
2: heart because (laughs) the thing is, is that they just tend to be, they struggle at knowing how to put themselves out there in a way that is actually heard. And so I think one of the key pieces is we want to protect them as adults, but part of the difficulty is that you know, we want them to be able to begin to feel a sense of confidence in themselves. And the way to do that is to feel a sense of achievement. So we need to have them be heard. And a big piece of it is we have to listen. And it may take a while. So somebody who is, you know, somebody who's really quiet as it an educator, they may have to keep going back to that child instead of just saying, oh, they're shy, we're going to kind of like... unfortunately,
1: those kids kind of get, they get lost, lost in the mix, you know? They totally yeah. do.
2: And the same when little, you know, children are little, the parents, you know, rushing and the child isn't saying what they want, and so the parent starts talking for them. And so it's sort of... Part of the difficulty is, is that that's a child who then starts really seeing their world from, you know, behind a closed door. And so we want that child to feel more of a sense of control. And that's so difficult if we don't, to some degree, get them out of their comfort zone. I think that's one of the most difficult things with all three of these, you know, types of personalities is, is... My big thing is how do we, you know, how do you, how do you as a parent get a child to feel like I am tremendously uncomfortable, but that's okay? We're really uncomfortable with seeing children uncomfortable. But the truth is that is what builds resilience, you know, that beautiful word of resilience. We need to have children fail to be able to have them see that they can get up with bruises. Yeah, you're right, but we rush in to fix we it. Because do. with
1: good intention, Absolutely you know, because good we, intention. Want, we don't want them to be upset right. or uncomfortable or whatever, so we try to rush in and and, and take care of things for them, but you're saying don't do that. No, you know, let be, them, and let
2: especially them fail. if we can do it when they're young and in our houses and we, you know, they can be in the beauty of mom, with mom and dad and they can have a sense of, okay, I didn't make the A team. I'm super bummed. But I'm
1: actually okay. I'm but gonna be okay. be okay. Yeah, I'm still I'm gonna, gonna have a good time and it. do well, and it's gonna be okay. This is it. Yeah. Or
2: you know what? I I did try to contribute in you know class discussion, and pretty much nothing came out. <laughs> but that's okay. And that there's something beautiful about that because learning that we can put ourselves out there and not necessarily be perfect but okay. You know, I'm a big believer in how do we get children, teens, college students to understand that okay is okay.
1: Is okay. Right. Because I think that our society does like, okay is kind of like looked down upon Absolutely. now. You know? eh, Absolutely. it's just average or okay. No, you have to be, you know, you have to be perfect best right. and perfect in everything. And I think parents feel pressure from other parents sometimes, you know, know, oh, your kid isn't blah, 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 whatever it may be. But that's actually damaging for, you know, it's
2: tremendously damaging because we set children up for true failure, because if we keep jumping in and trying to save them from that we are putting them in a world when they when they leave us that isn't going to protect them and so we are setting them up for truly not having the skills to be able to function in an adult world and and you know I think that parents would be devastated if they thought of that for their children because that is the opposite of what they uh, want to totally. do. And
1: I think that, yeah. you know, each kid is obviously different and some kid might be might be awesome in some area, but okay in another area right. or less than okay in another, you know, it just, and it, that's and it's like okay. such a
2: great discussion I feel like always to have with your children is that, you know, what what are some things you are great at and what are some things you're just okay at and that's great in itself. You know, I always encourage parents to have their children participate in one sport that the child chooses and one sport the parent chooses because then the sport the parent chooses, the child generally will just be okay at. And maybe they can just go out and have fun.
1: Yeah, and that would that's be that's a novel amazing. idea. <laughs> <laughs> right? And like that, I never thought yeah. I would think that. You know, if the parent's choosing it, I would. My first reaction would be like, no, don't, don't make them do that if they don't want to do it. But I totally see your logic behind it. it. Makes sense, and because there's no, there isn't like a pressure there's on them. There's not the pressure. I'm just gonna try it and have Th- a good this time. This is it,
2: because I think oftentimes, you know, if the child chooses it, they choose what they think the parent wants yeah. them and to choose. And They have that expectation. They do. They do, and they, do. Yeah. and they put they project. On that themselves. on the parents. Yeah, yeah. And it's not really a fair thing to the parents. Yeah. But I think if a parent can choose, the parent may say, oh, I want you to do swimming. And the child, that might not be their sport, but they'll go and they'll do it. And, you know, so I, I had a couple kids who did this year diving and they didn't really know how to do it, but they had a blast. Oh, good. And so yeah. that's the thing that was great is that, you know, you saw and, you know, the parents loved that their kids had fun. And so even if it's a situation where the ch- the child, cho- you know, you choose one, one sport and the child chooses a sport that just might be fun. You know, right, or
1: activity, even if it's not a sport. Activity, uh, some kind of activity, kind of club, club music, whatever it is. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be forever. Just try something and have a good time with I'm it. I'm
2: all about let's just do something fun. And the key piece I'll throw out there is that parents have to model that too. So I think we do too much of the fact that we aren't feeling necessarily great at something. And so we rarely do it versus putting ourselves out it's there and point. showing yeah. kids
1: that, you know what? Like, I can't do that. I'm going to look like an right. idiot. Like, yeah.
2: So I always give kids the example of I am dangerous in the kitchen I am a horrible person in cooking but I will tease the kids I work with all the time and tell them you know how I tried to make this and they'll laugh and think it's so hilarious that I'm I'm so bad at it but I enjoy it I have But they fun. see you laughing about it not getting it. upset exactly. oh I'm so stupid I can't do this exactly you know, you're just like, nah,
1: I can't but I'm still gonna have fun with it and exactly it's no and it's great yeah. modeling yeah. that's great modeling yes Thank you so much for being here. I knew it would go quickly, as it did. Um, so I really appreciate Thank you so you much for having me it was here.: A lot of great, great information. How can listeners contact you if they would like to do that?:
2: uh, They can go to my website, which is www.childreachconsulting.com, and that would
1: be the best way.. Okay, great. And you have all kinds of services yes. know, to children of all ages. Absolutely. And um, anxiety is one of them. Absolutely. You know, obviously, we yes. talked about that today, but you have other services as yes. well. So look you up online. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This episode has been sponsored by Lawrence School, where great minds don't think alike. For the one in five children who have learning differences and attention deficits, Lawrence School is a transformative place that removes barriers to learning and unleashes their true potential. Discover more at lawrenceschool.org. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.